On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concer, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Kindness. <laughs> Kevin! <laughs> Verno, it's Friday! What up? And we have made it to the All-Star break yeah. for this odd NBA season where there are a, a ton of games in a short amount of time, and that will be the case once all these teams come back. But these guys do get a break here. Uh, the majority of the league does. Uh, there will be an all-star weekend, though it is going to be different than any all-star weekend we have seen before. Um, certainly, we have already covered that there are some not in favor of this all-star weekend even happening. But then you have last night, which I must say is... An interesting and fun wrinkle that has come along with the All-Star game, which is two of the great players in the league having to draft teams almost as if you were a kid out on the playground and you're picking your team. And LeBron and KD uh, did that last night and they picked their teams. And it seemed like the instant reaction was, oh my goodness, LeBron is awesome at drafting and his team is going to kill KD's team. But it was, I, I got to tell you, um, it's a fun way to do it. I think I like this where they are, where you're now having these two guys that are real superstars in the league and you're hearing their opinions and you want to see who they are going to select. I like that. Uh, I think even more than I thought I would now that we've done it for a couple of years. I love it. I love yeah. it, and I think the NBA should always do it. It makes it yeah. fun, man. I mean, and then, then you get the stuff about, like, which guys are getting picked last. So we saw right. two Utah players go last. <laughs> okay, oh, <God>. so <laughs> TNT accused them of Utah slander. LeBron, oh, oh. in an attempt to defend himself, said, look, just like the video game when we were kids, you know, Stockton and Malone were awesome, but nobody played with Utah. And that is a <laughs> quote that resonates 
with everyone, especially from my generation, because mm. too young here. You didn't. <laughs> you did not pick the Jazz. You really didn't. Like they were you you acknowledged that they were awesome, but I think Jazz fans, I don't even know if Jazz fans chose the Jazz on those games. Who'd you choose, Chris? Um, I was Seattle, always in Chicago. No, yeah, like well, like Seattle was like Gary Payton and Sean yeah, Kemp. We're talking like team. NBA jam stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I always liked those, like, especially on like the old NBA lives and stuff, those old Warriors teams, like the run TMC teams, okay, yeah, yeah. uh, with Tim Hardaway and Chris Mullen. Like I, I like those teams. Um, the Sacramento teams were always fun. Right, uh, because they were flying up and down. I mean, in the era of video games, and yes, those were two Hall of Fame players, but they weren't they weren't what people were drawn to. Now, mm. I don't think it's as fair because you could term those guys boring, and Gobert, you might say he's he's kind of boring, um, but Donovan Mitchell's not. Donovan Mitchell is no. mega exciting, right? And so I don't think it was necessarily fair for Donovan and Gobert to be thrown in the same pot as Stockton and Malone. Mm. I mean, maybe uh, maybe Gobert kind of fits a little bit more with the Malone thing where it's not that fun. Even though on a game, he would block shots like crazy. I mean, it depends on what your interests are. I like watching Rudy Gobert. I like, I like watching a guy on defense who just his mere presence forces guys averaging over 20 points per game to not go into the paint. I find that fun. It's crazy to see how good a guy can be just to change okay, well, the way habits of these star scores are. But for an all-star game, I get it. I get it's not fun, but Rudy Gobert's fun during a normal Okay, let's game. just say he stops perimeter little guys that yeah. score 20 points a game from going into the paint. Yeah. He sure as hell don't stop the big ones. Not all of them, no. no. They cook his ass. It's no. unbelievable. I've never seen he he should be help defensive player of the year. That's what he should be. Ooh. Because these other bigs have worn Ooh. his ass out. No, that feels like slander to me. Like more well, or even, 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 even more than what you know LeBron and KD did not picking them until last. Help I mean, defensive it's tough, player. Because the, the last of the week year? I've wow. seen Wow. Oh boy. That was a some Zion, shots fired. Tricks. Zion was, Wow. Zion did you press that line? right at his ass? Did, did that just come off the and dome no. right now? That came off the yeah, dome or came did you have that dome. ready to go? Wow. No. I came off the top. <laughs> <laughs> he's, that's what I'm giving him. Help defensive player of the wow, year. Wow, that's mm, <laughs> slanderous. What do you want me to say? I mean, I, guy just had 40 and 19 on his ass. Zion put him in the fifth row. Uh, Jokic cooked his ass. Zion like, puts everybody in the fifth row, though. There's I know, certain but players. They, that, these elite level bigs, it's not like he's shutting them down or even he doesn't hold them. He doesn't hold them below their averages. In fact, they get like double their averages. It's crazy. Is so, it? I mean, th this is just, you know, I, we didn't plan to talk about this, but the yep. thought just came to mind. Is it sort of a similar thing where like Drew Holiday is arguably the best defensive guard in the league? And last mm -hmm. night he had the awesome possession against John Moran, 50 seconds left, yep. you know, stripping him. He does he does a great job against guards. But even then, like no matter how great you are as a guard defender, oftentimes you're going to get cooked by Damian Lillard. You're going to get cooked by Stephen Curry. Is it the type of thing where it's similar for a big if you're Rudy Gobert, like you might be the best defensive big in the league, but you're still more often than not going to get cooked by other equally, you know, elite offensive scoring bigs like a Jokic, like a I don't know. Is, is, I is think it a similar concept. I think or, or, I think you know? I, I think perimeter guys. I think generally the best ones they they are known for holding guys. If you looked you and you looked at the percentages and you looked at 
uh, the job they do on those guys when they're guarding those guys, you will find that they are able to make my life more difficult than what it typically is. I think that is true. I think that is true with Lou Gwynn Stort. I think that's true with Ben Simmons. I think that's Drew, through with, true with Drew Holiday. I mean, there's a level at which... Yeah, but like, Ben Simmons got, you know, just splashed by Devin Booker with that mm-hmm. three-pointer a couple of weeks back on the left wing towards the end of the game, and everybody's making fun of them for the Jenner stuff and all that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Ben Simmons played really good defense. Yeah. But sometimes really good defense is beaten by really good offense, and I, I just wonder if maybe it's true, you know, for bigs, true, like Gobert versus Ion. I come from a different guards. point of view because I would say no because I watched a, a big that won Defensive Player of the Year, and if there were another center on the other team, and Marc Gasol was like, he knew he had that assignment. He loved that because what Marc Gasol hates is when he has to constantly go all the way out and switch on to like Steph Curry or whoever. But if oh, yeah. he can just focus on there is another center across from him and now it's his job to slow or stop that guy, people routinely played worse against Marc Gasol than they did. He even did that in Toronto. When he was playing, right? Uh, 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 against the big guys in the playoffs. Big guys routinely played worse against him straight up. I think Gobert's just like a big, tall guy that, like, you know, he he blocks a lot of shots, right? He does. But, I mean, in terms mm. of, like, guarding a guy <laughs> straight up, guarding a really good player straight up, I think it's a little bit of a different story. Um, and I think we saw that the other night. I think, uh, I, but I, I appreciate your ability uh, yeah. to uh, defend I, I, him. I, look, I think he's better than you give look, him credit for. Well, Chris. I'll like, tell you this. Look, you can't mend the you you can't mend the bridge with Utah fans, Kevin. You can try no. all you want. I'm, I'm, you I'm can, not trying to mend. No, I don't yeah, care about you mending can. the bridge. You, I don't no, care. You big crap. Gonna, Chris, you did the boy video. I'm gonna say it like it is. I don't care about mending the bridge. I think Gobert's better than you're giving him credit for. I also like watching Rudy Gobert. That's all. I mean. All right. Well, he was the last pick. Yeah, um, he was understandably so. It's and an, the, for funny, an game. the funniest was when <laughs> Charles Barkley called out LeBron for saying, "I need size," and <laughs> he said, "And so you didn't take the seven foot five guy. You end up taking Sabonis, who's six two. Which, of course, Sabonis isn't six two. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of funny when." You chose your pick because you needed size and you didn't go with Rudy Gobert because LeBron, like there was no d- defense for that. And he just started laughing. I mean, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's an all-star game too. I, I mean, I, I get I it. I get it. I get right. it. Well, and, and I get and by, it. Right? People- and, by, and by the way, LeBron's team, how is LeBron's team always so much better? Oh my God. That's <laughs> crazy. How do you have LeBron, Giannis, Steph, Luca, and Jokic in your starting five? Did you see Giannis's reaction last night while yes. he's eating, eating wings? Yes. Yeah, that's eating. great. Uh, yes. That awesome. he, um, well, I mean, because you hear that starting lineup and it's like, this is crazy. So LeBron, very good at drafting. We will give him that. Um mm-hmm. As you mentioned that the Giannis thing and, and and seeing it last night, I actually saw Giannis in person last night, and I saw the Bucks, which I was very very pleased because you never know how these games are going to go uh, between teams with the last game being before the All Star break. I have covered teams where I have literally seen guys walk out of the locker room 
after the last game with suitcases. Like they are headed straight to the airport that night. And so guys look so forward to getting a break that sometimes that last game, somebody mails it in um, before they get to the break because they're just thinking ahead. They're excited about the break coming up. It's kind of like the the last day of school uh thing, right? Where you might have a field day because the teachers know nobody's going to be paying attention anyway. Um, That's a good feeling. The the last day of school. It is. That's a good feeling, right? (laughs) Those teams put on a show last night for sure, did the Grizzlies and the Bucks, Um, And obviously both really wanted to win a game before they headed into the All-Star break. Um, Drew Holiday has not come back completely. He had only been back a couple of games and they are bringing him off the bench. But I was left watching that game last night thinking, you know, he makes these massive winning plays down the stretch. And you view that through the prism of what the Bucks, how the Bucks can be different when it comes playoff time. And it is the huge difference. And this is like what I witnessed last night. It was, it was I was glad in some ways that I got to witness this because when when most people have, you know, the, the Bucks are more of an afterthought now than certainly they were last year because everybody's on the, you got to prove it. But that is a different deal than it is with Bledsoe, you know, oh, when, no he's, when he's there. I mean, you saw the difference, which is this is a guy that can make the huge plays when it matters most. And he is the perimeter guy that can make the huge plays when it matters most. And I know you just did this video about Middleton, um, but I walked out of that game going, I don't know if there's going to be a big difference in Middleton uh, when it comes playoff time. Like, I kind of feel like he is what he is. But the last time we saw Holiday in the playoffs, that Pelicans team was wearing out the Blazers, and he, he was better in the playoffs than he was during the regular season. Unfortunately, Middleton has been significantly worse. He had that disastrous series against the Raptors a couple of years ago. The numbers aren't as good when it's come playoff time, but holiday gives them an element. And I think you saw it for anybody that had that game on last night. The that steal makes the, them yeah. that makes them different like that. It really does. I think he's a, he is a big time player and come playoff time. He could be, he might be able to be the thing that gets the Bucks over the hump. Yeah, man. I, I feel like with Milwaukee, they've been sort of overlooked for understandable reasons because mm-hmm. we have all these new teams. Phillies looks different now, and Beads have an MVP season. The Nets obviously have KD back and Kyrie back and James Harden now. You have some teams that are underwhelming in the East, like the Celtics are underwhelming compared to expectations. The Heat are. And then Milwaukee's just sort of, like you said, People they're just want well. They're, just, they're really good, and they, people just want to wait to see it. That's they right. want to wait till the playoffs. It's like you're not overreacting to the regular season. But what the regular season has shown is that this team is doing different things on uh, defense. They're switching screens more often, especially when they have Giannis at the five. So they're not just sticking to their to their drop defensive scheme that they've used for a couple of years with Brook Lopez that has been exploited in the playoffs. On offense, they're putting guys in the dunker spot near their baseline more often to differentiate what they do. Sometimes they have everybody behind the line, you know, four out spacing. Sometimes they only have three out with the guy in the dunker spot. They're running a little bit more pick and roll with Giannis as a screener. And it's true holiday. 
You know, it's Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday being used as the pick and roll ball handler with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Holiday, you saw last night that you had great defense by Eric Bledsoe. What you didn't have was great offense. He's a solid spot up shooter during the regular season. Not a guy you give the ball to go get you a bucket. Drew Holiday, no timeouts left, brings the ball up the court and comfortably gets into a shot. And that is going to have to be the difference for the Bucks. What can Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton both do as perimeter shot creators in tough fourth quarter moments when the defense is locked in, the game slowed down, you're not able to get what you want to get to maybe with Giannis or maybe your typical motion, you know? And those guys get you a bucket. They're better there this season. They are better than they were in the past. And that's where, like with the Chris Middleton video I did this week that you mentioned, that's where I feel like Milwaukee, there's more, there's more that they can get out of Middleton Andrew Holiday. And I wonder if they'll hold it until the playoffs to do it. But we did see the flash last night of what they could be yeah, with, and, with Holiday. It was awesome. And like it's it's so odd because like you say. You know, people get fatigued talking about something like the the Giannis thing, right? There's a reason that people were saying he'd have to average like 50 and 20 to be in the MVP conversation because people are over it, right? Because mm. they, you know, they gave him the MVP yeah. again and then he didn't do well in the playoffs, whether it's his fault or not. I mean, I watched a team that did not have a good matchup for him, did as good a job as they could have possibly done against that guy. And you still look up at the end of the night and he's got 26 points. Yeah. Like that's how... I mean, he is a absolute force of nature. Um, again, they're just getting Holiday back into it. But I do think uh, when I, you know, you and I got this argument at the beginning of the year and I said, you know, I just don't think Middleton can be your second best guy going up against these teams. Holiday might. Holiday might be. Yeah. He might. He might be able to be your second best guy, depending on because he is like, it's funny. You did that video. And you talked about him being maybe the most underrated player in the NBA. It's it, it, it's funny because Holiday might be too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if it's not one of them, it, you're right. If we're talking mm-hmm. about underrated players, and Holiday obviously does not have the All Star appearances, um, you know, a, a bunch of All Star appearances. He is one of those guys that's kind of been in that class of everybody acknowledges he's a fantastic player, but he doesn't always get rewarded yeah. for being a fantastic player. Um, in that tier below the Curries and the Lillards and the Pauls and whatever, kind of like Conley was. Um, but you know, I it's when you watch them, you can see that's the difference. Like that, that's why they gave up all those picks. It's why they gave up so much in so in so many people's minds for Drew Holiday is because he might. I mean, the, the upgrade from Bledsoe to him is extreme offensively for sure. I mean, no doubt it's extreme for them and drew holiday's playmaking is better too, for yes. that matter. It's, you know, not just defense, not just, you know, scoring it's playmaking. And with Chris Middleton, uh, like the usage of the word underrated mm-hmm. part of me did that because I mean, obviously he wasn't voted an all-star, yeah. you know, you know, this season by coaches or, you know, um, but also I still wonder if like, is he underrated even by the Bucks, even by himself? He gets 15 shots a game, Chris when he's one of the most efficient scorers in the league shooting off the dribble. And I just, I would love to see what happens if he has two or three weeks or a month straight of 18, 19 shots every night. If that's what he's getting, I would just love to see what happens. Maybe you get diminishing returns because he's not like the silkiest ball handler. He's not the guy who gets to the basket all the time and lives at the free throw line. 
But the dude just drains jumpers off the dribble, like no matter how, how hands are in his face, no matter how covered he is. I would just love to see what the production is with three more shots. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's more that the Bucks can get out of him if they want to get it out of him. So more than anything else, I would just love to see the Bucks experiment with that for yep. you know a couple of weeks. This is what the dude, the team, like Giannis himself said. They're using the regular season as practice yep. for switching on defense. And you can see them doing it. Like they have screwed up a lot on switches, yep. botched switches. And they've had situations where guys are getting attacked relentlessly, which is one of the concerns with like DJ Augustine in a playoff situation. One of the concerns with like Pat Connaughton in certain playoff situations. But the point is, is that this team is still winning a lot of games is number three in the league in net rating when they're practicing and they're admitting that admitting that they're practicing during the regular season. So I I would just love to add, you know, Chris Middleton, the pile of experimentation. Let's let's see what more you can get. You know, what would be an unbelievable matchup too would be the Sixers. If those two teams could somehow meet up because you've got, you've got the Giannis and Embiid thing. You've got the Simmons and Drew holiday thing. And then oddly, I was looking at this last night. Um, you know, we talk about hey, uh, you know, uh, Middleton and his numbers and how good he's been, and uh, he was an All Star. They are, if you go look them up, and I'm talking all the way down to like true shooting percentage, everything. They are identical to Tobias. I, I mean, across the board. There's a couple more things here, a couple more there, but I mean, generally, the like the percentages, the actual, you know, raw numbers, the points per game, et cetera. Um, they are so like each other. And so it would kind of be, you know, three on three, and then the ancillary guys have to contribute. But, you know, they would bring their, you know, three guys to the table, and the Bucks would bring their three guys to the table. And now we'll see. Um, because they both kind of have these point guards. One wing that averages 20 points a game, and then this huge superstar, you know, down low. That could make for a hell of a series, to say the least. Um, and the Bucks, certainly with Holiday, are a much different team. The other thing that happened last night was obviously Morant had hey, well, one, one more quick thing yep. on Milwaukee. Um, yep. they're not done making moves either. I mean, mm. they they I, mean, I reported last week that they still like PJ Tucker. That was reported, you know, uh, that other teams like him as well this week. Uh, they could be looking to move Dante DiVincenzo as like their trade asset, not necessarily looking to make a deal with him, but he's the piece that they would have to deal to get somebody. So there's upgrades to be found out there for the Bucks. You mentioned like everybody else around the stars. These teams aren't done being built. And you know, with the trade deadline being moved, I feel like we haven't been talked a lot, talked a lot yeah. about trades. It's happening so much later than usual right now. Right. But the, the reality is, is that these teams aren't done being built and we can see the Bucks further improve their roster. The Dante thing does not surprise me just because that is very, that is very, very difficult when you, there's a breach of trust that goes on. There just is. When your name has been out there, it is reported everywhere that you're going. You've been through the family members and your friends all texting you. And he thought, you know, for a moment in time, and yep. as did everybody, that he was going to be a Sacramento King. Exactly. And yeah. that is hard. Right. Usually there comes a time where if that player has come up before as a guy that might be moved, that eventually he ends up getting moved because, you know, there's just it's tough with with that organization there. Once there's that breach of trust, I think it's hard because you go to work every day going, they were going to get rid of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. It's hard. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's part of the business. Because the they, were, part they were going to get rid of it, you. You know, it, it, It's the tough part, man. I, I can't imagine like being a player in that position when you're fighting so hard every day. You're sacrificing so much in your life away from family and all that. And like you also have to deal with the pressures of like, how long am I going to be here? Mm-hmm. That's tough, man. That's hard. Well, like, it, it, takes, also, it takes like real mental toughness, you know, mental fortitude oh, yeah. in order to stay locked in and stay focused, which is why, like you just mentioned the Sixers, why I'm so impressed by like Ben Simmons. He was almost traded for James Harden. Right. There were people in his camp who thought the deal was about to be done. Mm-hmm. He thought like he might be going and then he's come back and played the best basketball of his life. It's just, it's, just, it's really admirable. Yeah. Well, at least that, on the, at least on that one, you know, whether it's true or not, uh, Daryl and Doc could go to Ben Simmons and they could say, they wanted you. We weren't going to do it. Yeah. We we did not. We, you know what I mean? We believe in you so much. We weren't going to do uh, yeah, it. I mean, and also, it's kind of a compliment. <laughs> if yeah. you're involved in trade right. discussions for James Harden, it's like they wanted too much with you. They didn't value you yep. enough. You know, yep. like we had, to we talks. value you more than they would have. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I mean, and, and you know what? That's one of the reasons why the deal wasn't made. Right. Yep. I mean, I, I suppose that's true. Uh, the other thing that happened in that game last night was Morant had 35 for the second consecutive night. And so you Go may off, see, <laughs> you may, I mean, you may see, you know, second half of the season, you may see, you know, a, a different guy. He had very bad ankle injury earlier in the year. Um, has kind of been up and down, up and down. And then these last two, and this is what was fascinating about it. These two 35s in a row that he has had, 35 plus points, um, is that he he has gone to the free, th- free throw line an extreme amount of times as compared to what he previously had throughout this season. And it comes off of, over the weekend in a game against the Clippers, he got ejected from a game. And I do wonder if it's a total <laughs> cause and effect thing. You know what I'm saying? Like they, the NBA, honestly, they don't want their young stars getting thrown out of games. No, it's not a good not. look, right? Yeah, it's it's not a good look for your, your young stars to get thrown out of games because they're so mad yeah. at not getting calls when they drive because they the feel human emotion. I mean, I, 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 I can't believe the people who defend the officiating in those cases. Well, don't complain to the refs. Don't complain to the refs. It's like you're right. competing. You're right. playing a sport. I complain when I'm playing Warzone. Right. I'm and he's in my pajamas. Well, and it was kind of <laughs> competing. like uh, 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 someone who's watched all those games. He has, he's gotten texts here and there. He's gotten angry, but then it came to this crescendo where he gets thrown out of a game. And so now you've got everywhere. Where John Morant thrown out of game, John Morant ejected from a game, and and then what? I mean, it's hard for me to say that this didn't have a profound effect because he'd never been to the line more than ten times in his career. That happened like once. Um, and next game, he, he you know within a couple of games he goes to the line fourteen times, and then again he's in double digits last night going to the you, free Chris. throw line. I'm glad. It's like, <laughs> I mean. It, it, it is kind of crazy, though, right? Like, you're seeing this. And this has been a thing this year. You know this, Kevin. Not only have people bitched about reviews and review time at the end of games, mm. but also we've seen a lot of the young players in the league get very upset with officials. You know what I mean? It's been a thing with Luka. It was a thing with Trey Young. Um, it's been a thing. Obviously, you've seen Draymond get chucked out of some games. The other night, you see... Devin Booker get thrown out of a game. You see Donovan Mitchell getting thrown out of a game. I mean, this is not just, you know, a one-off thing. Like, this has been 
This has been a deal this year more than I can remember in the past. Um, the level of frustration that these guys have to the point that they're getting ejected. You don't see a lot of ejections. I mean, yeah, I mean, you should, you should not be ejected for bouncing the ball and, you know, maybe saying something, you know, yep. through Devin Booker. And like, forget about the fact national TV game against the Lakers, one of the you know, biggest games of the first half, entering the All-Star break. You yep. have a chance to talk about one of the best, most promising young teams in the league, the Phoenix Suns, led by Devin Booker, who went through some, some losing years. And then during a great game, a great night, he gets ejected for bouncing the ball by the official. He didn't even bounce the ball to or saying anything to it's just, it's really ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. And look, the, the NBA is great. There's so many great NBA players right now. So many great teams, which is why we have so much fun talking about this, but you, but as fans, Chris, we just deal mm-hmm. with the long replay reviews when we can see the replay in 10 seconds and know what the right call is. We just deal with some of the poor officiating decisions that happen. And, you know, refereeing is hard for all sports, especially for basketball. There's so many calls that are tough to make, and I don't tend to get mad about, like, some missed calls here and there. But the ejections, stuff like that, like, that's just, like, that should never happen. And not because it's national TV, not because it's a star player, but be like, he he bounced the ball. When it's Come the young on, man. and it's the and it's the young stars in the league that are getting thrown out of these games, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Just it just hurts the product, and it's it's hardcore fans. We we deal with it. Yep. And we keep watching, but there are a lot of people who turn off their TVs. Like, why would I watch this? Why would I yeah. watch this crap? Well, I mean, maybe do something about that to bring those fans in to see this amazing game that's yeah. happening right now. Friends, the league is great right now, Chris, isn't it? The yes. league feels great right now. Yes. Yes. I mean, every team is fun. Every night there is entertaining games on. I, I end up, I, I, no lie, I've got this, you know, typically um, on any given weekday night, I will, uh, I'll turn on League Pass and I will have, I'll have my phone out or my son will, and we'll just go through and we'll look for the close games. And then we'll stick on one and then mm-hmm. we try to watch the end of everything that's coming down to the wire when there's like six and seven games going on. It's because, and, and every game, there's something awesome uh, that is going on. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, 
a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. All right, Kevin, we are to the All-Star break. Give me one team that has surprised you and one team that has disappointed you. I don't know if this is cheating for my response here for the surprise. Uh, I don't think it's really a surprise, but I just want to talk about them. (laughs) The Phoenix Suns. (laughs) Oh, come on. I think I I could fill them in as the surprise being the number two seed. Does that apply? That's fair. The number two seed. Being two seed is crazy. We thought they were going to be good. We thought they'd be a playoff team. Very good. Yes. But But being the two seed as you go to the all-star break is surprising. It that is. is surprising. Okay, yes. so okay, so they fit. I did a big feature on them on the Ringer uh, post uh, posted on Thursday. The for- team formerly known as the Bright Future Suns, Chris. Yeah. Now known as the Bright Now Suns. Bright <laughs> Now. Even, even the brighter future Suns. <laughs> <laughs> the brightest are, future Suns. The brightest future. They are a joy to watch. They really are, Mister Vernon. I love watching the Suns after all all our years of doing this podcast together. I've always enjoyed watching Devin Booker and Dragon Bender, and Josh Jackson, and Marquise Chris, Alex Lynn, <laughs> Alex Lynn, and Jared Dudley, and, and keep on going, keep on going, <laughs> keep on going. Tyler in it, Tyler in it. Timothy Luau was there for a short bit. I loved watching the Phoenix Suns. Or was it Euless? I think it was Tyler Euless, not Tyler Euless too. But never before have I loved watching them as much as I do now. They are. <laughs> They are a complete two-way basketball team. And I, let me tell you this, Chris. Let me tell you this. They are contenders. Of course they are. They, they are uh, real contenders. Yes. You have two of the league's 15 to 20 best players and Devin Booker and Chris Paul. You have some of the league's best wing players. Mikel Bridges, elite defender. Jay Crowder been to finals, had multiple deep playoff runs. You have DeAndre Ayton, who has become a very, very good two-way center. You have a deep bench. Cameron Payne had a big game for them last night. Cameron Payne has had some really good games for them. Dario Saric, that dude, backup center, if there, if it wasn't for like a guy like Jordan Clarkson, you would hear Dario Saric's name mentioned more often as a, as a six man of the year candidate. Chris, the, the, the Phoenix Suns, They are, they have surprised me in the fact that they are not just very good, but they are a legitimate contender. And I look forward to seeing how they develop in the second half of the year because they, you know, I mentioned this in the article, it feels like they have gotten progressively better Mm -hmm. over the course of the season. And I don't think the Booker Paul connection is what it can be at its highest level yet. They're getting closer. Booker just, Booker, th- Booker just won player of the month, but yeah. I feel like those guys can be even better together. There's but more. I think, There's I think, more. I think, uh, I think Zach Lowe, uh, I, 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 I'm going to get this number right. I, I'm almost positive it was plus 14 with those two on the court for net rating. He had it in his column this morning because he was talking about how when it comes time, they're going to have to stagger them because when they are on the court, they have been a real net positive with Paul alone on the court. They have been a real net positive with Booker out on the court. But in those moments where Monty has not played either of them, it has been yeah, I don't think anemic. you're going to see that in the playoffs, so, really. I don't, huh? I don't think you'll see that in the playoffs. No, no, no. I'm saying right, right, right oh, where yeah, they yeah, stagger yeah, right them. Now, yeah. oh, and yeah. they, you do the Harden Paul thing. Oh, yeah. Dur- during way, the, during right? the playoffs, I'd be shocked if you don't see that. Right. I'd be totally shocked if you don't say that. All right, so you put Phoenix being the number two seed 
What, what stood out to you from my story on them? If you read, no worries if you didn't. I what? won't be offended. The Phoenix the, Suns story. The I, Phoenix? I, I, yeah. I won't be offended. It was long. TLDR. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> TLDR. I understand. I get it. <laughs> it was long. I mean, how many times do I have to read you writing about the Suns? <laughs> I feel like I've. That, that's why I want to talk about this. This that today. was the genesis of this podcast. Was I'll me reading you, you right you about what. the Suns. Here's what I'll say about the the story, Chris. Or for anybody else who's not a Suns fan, it's like, should I read a five thousand word story or not? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of split up into like a number of short stories, like six hundred word short stories about the sun. So if you want to read about DeAndre Ayton, Chris, mm-hmm. just do control F Ayton and, and you'll get like a DeAndre Ayton section where he's a great quote about his suspension last year. Yep. And I'll tell you what, like, I, I gotta, I gotta read you this quote. It sounds like he was addressing, you know, you, I am. Well, I'm going to tell you, I am, I am going to, no, I'm no, going to get you. You'll love I, this quote. You'll I'm going to get to your quote. article right after I finish Moby Dick, which is roughly the same length. <laughs> this quote this quote was good he said i let my team down i got bombarded and destroyed by the internet and you know what i deserve that Mm. i thought who am i to say i'm a certain way when i didn't prove it so i felt motivated to go out there and fix my name to find myself and show who i really am the suspension felt like the bottom of the pit then professionalism hit me i knew i wasn't going to cheat myself i worked harder and harder i didn't care if i wasn't playing i wanted to get better i was locked in i was in the pen for 25 games and came out in OG. DeAndre Ayton, from your oh. criticism, Chris. Oh my God. In the pen. <laughs> from and, the I, and I came out in OG. DA, DA, uh, you know, DeAndre Ayton was mm. a joy to chat with. I love talking with him. He you was did? a fun interview. Yeah, he's really fun. He's All great. Right. Super, super open about everything and about his development, about non basketball stuff. That guy's awesome. I love chatting with him. It's a fun story that can report out. There you go. Uh, I would say in terms of my surprise, uh, this is odd because I would probably say the thing that has, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season and then you would have given me the standings as it stands right now and you would have told me that there was no acquisition made, I think honestly from looking at the standings, I would be most shocked that Oklahoma City has 15 wins. And that they are that they are that competitive at the All Star break that they I mean, the Oklahoma City has the same record as the Pelicans right now. Like I think we looked at them it's crazy after this All season. We're like they got every pick in the draft for the next ten years. It feels like, and we just feel they are gonna suck. Like they are the team that's just punted more than anybody. And you look at their roster and you look at their depth and you and you go, all right, like. Geez, man, that's got to be a lot for uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Lugens Dort and, and Hamadou Diallo and uh, Mike uh, Muscala and these guys. Al and, Horford. Yeah, and it's like, all right, Roby. I like Isaiah Roby. Good I don't. I don't know if people would have thought ball. they would have 15 wins the whole year, and they're 15 and 21 going into it, it, it the All Star over the Spurs. There's a really good win over the Spurs too. Yes, Gilgis Alexander. Win. I mean that dude. I, I said he should have been an all-star reserve. Yep. I, I still think he should have been that. That guy's had one hell of a heck of a two-way season. Both oh. ends of the floor. Gildas Alexander is really blossoming into a, a high-level player. Yes. The job, that, that just the fact that they are that competitive, you know, 
throughout the th- throughout the first 36 games of the season. I know their record's not great, but it's just what we thought they were going to be versus what they have actually been. I feel like they uh, that that has surprised me probably the most I'm, weirdly of any team yeah. just because I thought this is this is the team that's just punted completely and this is a joke. And instead, like you got to come to play or else they're going to catch you. And they caught a lot of teams. They got some good players, man. Ken, Kendrick Williams coming off that bench. I mean, like I, I know it's like Kendrick Williams. Kendrick Williams. This is a guy to talk about on Ringer NBA University. Now right. I bring him up here, but Kendrick Williams, he's been a really rock solid defensive player for them. At six six, versatile, plays hard, and he's hitting over forty percent of his threes. Like that's what you want is three and D style guys who make smart decisions on, on the core for you. They have good players on their team. And like, this kind of speaks to what we talked about in passing earlier, Chris, there's just a lot of fun teams in the league right now. There's always something fun to watch. And with OKC, it's Gildas Alexander is like their best young player, but then they have a bunch of other guys on that team who are just rock solid rotation guys for you. Like Henrich Williams or Isaiah Roby, you know, that contribute to winning. And that's why OKC is way better than people expect. Well, and the crazy thing is, I told you about that, you know, the the league pass thing that I do. I can't tell you how many nights, you know, I've looked at the scoreboard and it's like a four point game with two missed goals. I'm like, what the hell? they, They play so many close games. Like, I feel like I have watched the end of infinitely more Oklahoma city games than I would have ever expected. And to, sometimes to like some of those games end up being like an eight, 10 point loss yeah. sometimes be like for but a lot of young teams, there. that's the case. And like, I remember like growing up watching like the Oh six Oh seven Celtics that when they had that 18, 19 game losing streak the year before the big three, I always entering the fourth quarter, watching those games with my dad was like, the Celtics are keeping this close for mm-hmm. three and a half quarters. Like, I feel like there's something building here with yep. OKC. If you're a fan watching that, that team, you're like, there's something building here right. with this group. Like these guys have character and like talent. It's just, they're not there yet for certain no. matchups, but they're Gildas Alexander's. I mean, he's really good, man. Well, hey, hey, he's Kev, really good. Wait till the second half of this season. When they just bring in the secret weapon Poku. Oh boy. Just wait. Post all star break. You see those G League, G League he's, highlights, those he's, passes. I he's love done. <laughs> he's done in the G League bubble after uh, you know, this next week or so. And then they're just gonna unleash him on the friggin' league post all star break. And watch out. Watch out, league. All right. Uh, Poku's uh, G League stats, 7.9 points per game, 31% from the field, but four assists per game, Chris, for Uh, a seven-footer. One of the youngest players entered the NBA since high school players were all. No, the youngest player to enter the NBA since the high school age limit was changed. The youngest. The youngest. Mm. Uh, Biggest disappointment or a team that has... Uh, disappointed you versus what we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. There's two ways to look at it. Minnesota, in the sense that like we haven't even got to see Cat and D'Lo still. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a major disappointment, but I, I think generally most people expected them to be bad. Uh, so Dallas still, I still say Dallas, even though they've started to win more, um, have won three in a row, eight and, eight, eight and two in their last 10. They're at the eight seed right now, but overall, like they're the team where I thought maybe they'd be where Phoenix is 
like the two or three or four right now in the top of the West outperforming expectations, but instead they've underperformed. How about you, Chris? We've talked a lot about Dallas. Yeah, we have. Oh, oh and by the way, before, before I get into my disappointment, we do need to mention that the Knicks were both on our surprising yes. oh, list. Yeah. We've talked about the Knicks a, a million times so we, far we, this it, year. Same with the Celtics. We've talked about them. Yeah, a bunch because we know too. they are one yeah. of the great stories. Yep. They're one of the great stories uh, this year in the NBA, to say the least, are uh, the Knicks. And then they got another win, so their whole fan base gets to feel good going into you know the the long uh, All Star break here uh, for a little bit. So. Uh, the Knicks would fall on that list. I would probably say, um, I would probably say Washington, and that's just because I thought, you know, they're again nobody's out of it, out of it in the Eastern Conference. But I did think that that team, which was they were a team that was invited to the bubble last year, and I know they've had a bunch of the coronavirus, you know, they had the delays, the league parked them and whatever else. But when you trade for Westbrook and you add him to the mix and you pay Bertons the amount of money you paid him and you bring back these guys, like now they've tried to figure it out with Mo Wagner and Garrison Matthews and these other guys. But I, I think I thought that they wouldn't be, you know, a 14 and 20 going into the all-star Get, break. Getting better. In, getting better. Yeah, they are getting better. Yeah. But it's just, I think... Uh, th- to me, that's a disappointment to be 14 and 20 headed into the All-Star break because I thought I thought that certainly in the Eastern Conference that they were going to be much more in the mix than they have been. Because, I mean, again, they were a team that was invited last year. So, and they should be better than they were last year. Significantly better than they were last year. And they are getting better. It has taken their transition has been harder, uh, given you know some injuries, given the amount of time that they were parked uh, by the league. It's it's been a harder transition, but I, I would say it's a disappointment. And then obviously, you know, look, we've talked ad nauseum about New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, you watch them, and it's like, what the hell, you know? Like some nights, you watch them, and you know, we just saw it uh, the other night where they get this win over um when they when they when they get this win the one we talked about on on Tuesday um where they had kind of forgotten Zion was on the team they got the win against Utah and then the same team that can beat Utah is the same one that you know gets beat by Chicago a couple of nights ago and then goes into the All-Star break taking another loss last night and it's like what like, I don't understand they should be better than their record yeah, that's all yeah. I would say. I, I think that's fair. A couple other things uh, before we get to the mailbag today, Kev. Uh, at the All-Star break, I think we agree. As of right now, Embiid is the favorite to win most valuable player this year. We will see what happens in these last, you know, whatever, 40 games of the season. But it feels like he's certainly in pole position at the All-Star break. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'd have him as the number one for sure. Um, and it's his to lose. Yeah. I feel like Lillard might get in the mix. He did it again. You know, he's still doing the Dame time thing damn near every night and has just put that team on his back without McCollum. And if they're able to rack up wins in the second half of the season um, and then get McCollum back, maybe for the very tail end, hopefully, uh, I feel like Lillard might be able to get in that mix. 
because Jokic is clearly in that mix. Harden may wedge himself in there, especially if their record is crazy. Maybe one of the Jazz guys uh, can wedge their names in there. And one other thing, because uh, it is today, it is March 5th, meaning tomorrow is March 6th, and I am going to owe you $100. And (laughs) I I have an infinite amount of excuses for this, but I am just going to give two. Um, number one, and this is that Andrew Wiggins would not be on the Warriors mm. in a year's time. So <laughs> I obviously got insanely screwed by the calendar because oh, with everything shuts down, well, I did. <laughs> like, well, that was going to be that was going to be post trade trade deadline theoretically, oh, yeah. right? Well, so, want to go want to go double or nothing and move the date. For the no, 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 for the trade deadline, <laughs> because because where I really got screwed, this is where I really got screwed was the clay injury. Oh, he's okay. not there if oh. clay's there, mm. like they're just not, they're, they're going to utilize oh. that money differently. And that was the basis of the bet. But clay did get injured, so of course, they're going to keep him now. They can't move him now, they got to have somebody for Steph to play with. That's a that's a wing that could put the uh, ball in the bucket on occasion. Um, I I never thought it was going to work with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins. Um, and I think that when Clay comes back, eventually you will see Wiggins not on that team. But Clay got injured; it screwed me. And so I, they will hold on to Wiggins, and so you're going to win the bet. But I don't want you to feel too good about it because he would have been gone. I, mean, I feel great. A hundred extra dollars in my Venmo. I feel great. I feel great. We also got one other piece of news today, Chris. During oh. recording, uh, okay. Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN reported that Blake Griffin has been officially bought out. Um, so he's going to hit the, the market now. The teams to watch here, the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Nets. That's what I've heard this past week or so are the three teams to watch on a Blake Griffin buyout, the Lakers, Nets, and Celtics. We'll see if more teams get added to that list. I'm sure there are others that will have some level of interest, but those are the three main ones. LA, theoretically, is going back to where he spent the first major part of his career. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of a, you know, maybe a little uh, F you to the Clippers playing in that same building that he played in prior to. Which of those do you think he's the best fit with? Uh, maybe none of them. Mm. The version of Blake Griffin that we saw this season was not a guy that was going to get playoff minutes for you. Could he Blake played more the- with the Nets and he'd play more with the uh, Celtics than he would with the Lakers. I mean, if they've got Davis back and they have Davis and Montrez. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think Blake would play that much with the Lakers. Yeah. See, to me, like I look at Brooklyn. He's that small ball five, even though Blake can't hop, you know, like he used to. But he'd play more. You can put him in that pick and roll and have him roll, you know, roll down the lane, short roll, pick apart defenses. I still think Blake can offer something to a team. Mm -hmm. And so I look at Boston and Brooklyn as the teams that if I'm him, I'd be looking towards those teams if I want to get minutes. Lakers, if if you're like, oh, maybe the AD injury is worse than people think. Maybe you know that if you're Blake's camp. And the Lakers might know that too. Who knows? Maybe in that case, you go to the Lakers. Go back to LA. He loves LA. That'd be kind of a cool story. Go to the Lakers. Imagine that playoff wrinkle. Lakers, Clippers, second round series or something. (laughs) And he can also, uh, you know, with stuff uh, going to be opening up sooner than maybe we expected, he could go work on his uh, 
comedy career. Yeah, for there. sure. They yeah. got better comedy clubs he, there. He, he, well, I guess well, he could do it in he, Brooklyn too. Well, even though all the comedians are moving to Austin, Texas now. You got Joe Rogan, you know, moving there. A bunch of other comedians moving down there. A lot lower taxes. <laughs> yeah, a lot lower taxes. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. We got some good stuff this week, Sasha. That we do. All right. Let's start it off from Stu. I believe Stu is from England. Hey, Stu from England. I'm wondering why we're hearing so many trade rumors around Vooch that are seemingly requiring the Magic to give away their prize big man. Just because they're having a bad season doesn't shouldn't mean that they have to give him away for a few salaries, right? Is it a case of the Magic having kept him as an asset and are trying to kickstart a rebuild with this year's lottery being pretty good? They're, I would be shocked if they trade Vucevic. Mm. Um, everything I've heard is that he's uh, he's a guy that they consider a keeper, that they consider a legitimate guy to build with. Um, with that said, like, could a team make an offer over the top and grab Vooch from Orlando? Yeah, of course. He's not an untradeable, untouchable player. Uh, I just wouldn't expect the team to meet those demands from Orlando. If any, if you're looking for an Orlando big that's more likely to move, look at Kim Birch or Mo Bamba. Ken Birch is a free agent in a couple of months. Uh, Mo Bamba is a restricted free agent next offseason in 2022. One of those guys, maybe, potentially, I could see move, but Vucevic, I, I'd be a little bit surprised if um, anybody's milling, willing to meet the price that the Magic have, which is significant. Because yeah. there's that report this week that the Celtics like Vooch. I'm not sure it matters that the Celtics like Vooch unless they're willing to pay up more than people think they probably should and where it looks like an overpay. Yeah. And to answer why his name comes up, because this is the plight of the awesome player on the disappointing team. Yes. It's just what happens. I mean, Draymond Green once got fined by the NBA for saying we need to get Devin Booker out of there. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and everybody was talking about, oh, it's not going to be long. And inevitably, if you are a a, a very good player on a team that's not going to be, uh, excelling that's not going to be played in the playoffs people want to see those players um play for the highest stakes and so when you are on a disappointing team but you're outstanding people always will then try to poach you from said disappointing team well um let's do another one i i'm actually interested in this one too okay this is from levi should the Rockets tank this season and next season or continue? I love this wording. Continue building a respectful team and hopefully have a solid team that can hopefully use the Nets picks to contend in five years or so like the Celtics did. Not that that worked out. They've lost 13 in a row. Mm-hmm. I, I would love if I'm a Rockets fan, I would love to lose 30 in a row. <laughs> 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 Just give me the top lottery odds in this loaded year's draft class. And, and one of the big reasons why. And the the reason why is because if that pick falls out out of the top four, they're not going to get to keep their own pick. They're going to receive the, a pick from either Miami or Oklahoma City, whichever one is the worst. Um, so for Houston in this situation, you have an opportunity here to draft the franchise player, Akeda Cunningham and Evan Mobley or Jalen Green. We saw him in the G League and Ignite. There's a lot of talent at the top of the 2021 draft. And for Houston, that should be the priority is, is keeping that first round draft pick. Otherwise, you set yourself back for many, many years to come. I would tell you that I have been very anti-tanking. This is an extreme situation to me. Um, as I said before, 
they they do not have uh there there is not the same in terms of level of competition uh onus put on fans in the stands and so you're not you know the 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 product to me i i think it is unfair to have people paying money to go see a team that doesn't isn't even trying to win that's one of the reasons the other thing is yeah. i think it's impossible to build a, a real winning culture when you have a group of guys that you're basically throwing out there to get their ass kicked every single night. And I think that has a profound effect going forward. That being said, this is an extreme situation with the whole pick and losing the pick thing. And frankly, I don't think any of these guys are going to be on the team for what you're building anyway. You know Christian what I'm saying? Like Wood. to me, Christian Wood, he he will be, mm. but yeah, that's yeah. about it. Yeah, but that's Jay about Sean it. Tate, maybe, yeah. You know, maybe Jason Tate, but I mean, again, what you're going to be post rebuild—that's not what you, the guys that you would be that you're throwing out there right now. It's not the same. And my problem is typically when you have. Like we just went through it with Atlanta, right? Lloyd Pierce, he loses, tw- you know, he wins 20 games and he wins 29 games. And then, okay, now it's time to be good. And you've got a lot of losing habits. You've got a way of those guys playing where they're not accustomed to winning. Um, and the sting of losing went away. I think it hurts, honestly. I think it hurts the some of those young guys on the Pelicans. People don't want to hear this, but those guys, they played so many non-competitive basketball games when they were playing for the Lakers. I think Ingram and Lonzo got a terrible training ground. I think you are trained that it doesn't matter if you lose that game, or rather, you're not hurt if you lose that game. Once those expectations are torn away from you, I believe it can have an effect on you in terms of when now you're asked to play winning basketball. Um, but that's not going to affect any of those guys on the Rockets. They don't have a bunch of young players on the team that they can poison. Similar thing with Phoenix. Devin yep. Booker is the only player on the team from before the 2018-19 season. Yep. The only guy on the team. Yes. The only one. And even from the 2018-19 year, you only get DeAndre Ayton, Chris, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Mikel Bridges. That's it. Three guys from just two years ago when they won only 19 well, games. Well, and they went through 50 coaches and two different managements. Yeah, it took a long time to get here, but they're at the point now where they're winning. And with Houston, it's about getting those guys that you can win with. Christian Wood, he's yep. one of them. And yes. then you can draft a guy, he's another one. And maybe a couple of the pieces now, like a Jay Sean Tate or a Sterling Brown, a Nawaba, maybe one of those guys sticks around long term, but yep. maybe not. But you got to find the guys who are your cornerstones, and they mm-hmm. have an opportunity to do that now. And if they miss that, it's a it's a major major loss for the franchise that'll set them back for years to come. Yeah, fair enough. I love Nawaba. He's a good player, huh, Sasha? I absolutely I love, love him. Love his defense. Um, I also, I might be remembering wrong, but I believe that like one of Lonzo's traits that everybody like loved coming from college was that he like is a winner. That he like really cares about winning and like when he loses it's like he like hates he like hates losing and then i really feel like that was kind of like kicked out of him yeah i think he's getting it i think think lonzo's getting it back though he's had some he's had some all defensive Mm. caliber games individually as a player with the pelicans this year which you couldn't say last year last year is crazy arms last year yeah yeah i mean he just has crazy arms lonzo's a fun player i love the way he's playing i miss him even though I was slandering him last week, I do miss him. <laughs> okay, so this is from Alex. Um, I actually became a Nasir Little fan last year as well, so I'm interested. 
Hey, Kevin and Chris, one player I haven't heard you guys talk about much is Nasir Little. I'm a Blazers fan and have seen some really good flashes from him lately, leading to a lot of Portland fans campaigning for him to get more minutes. What do you guys see in him? What do you think his ideal role is? Any good player comparisons? Nasir Little, Nasir Little. Oh, that's interesting on the player comparison thing. Yeah, what do you got for a comp here? Yeah, um... Jeez Louise. Six I mean, five, seven foot two <laughs> wingspan, muscular yeah. body frame. You know, he's, he's, he's a, I'm not sure who the comp is for him, but player, you know, production wise, he should be playing more. He plays he bigger. Be. He plays bigger yeah. than six, five. There's no yeah, way around does. that. And it's that seven foot two wingspan. And then, you know, the strength he has, yep. the offensive flashes have been really encouraging for him. And he's still young, you know, makes some mistakes defensively. But that's what Portland needs is, is the type of versatile defender that Nasir Little can become. The type of secondary score that Nasir Little has shown he can be on certain nights. So for Portland, to me, like I look at their situation, even though they're trying to be a playoff team, you also have to invest in the youth. And I'd love to see some more consistent minutes for Nasir Little. I'm trying, I keep trying to think about these. They've done a very, look, Portland deserves credit. They do a very good job of player development. There, they always have, you know, um, and it's always one of those chicken or the egg thing. Do, do these franchises always nail the draft, or are they just great with developing what they do have? Right, they make these players the best versions of themselves. Um, and and little who was picked at the you know back end of that nineteen draft uh, was he like he's in the mid twenties, I think. Yeah, uh, he, he with, fell. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I mean, and that was. But we knew about Nasir Little prior to. I mean, this guy, he was a McDonald's All-American who played at North Carolina. I mean, so it's and not really, like... And he really, really struggled in college. One of the yeah, reasons yeah, why he But it's he not fell. like he busted on the scene. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I never saw that guy play a guy. I mean, we knew. We, we had an awareness of Nasir Little. He was a huge recruit. Huge. Huge recruit. A late bloomer in, in high school. Yeah. And then became a, uh, a significant high school recruit. And I wonder if in the NBA, it could be the same thing. Like he was not good in college at North Carolina, you know, not getting a lot of minutes early on. But will he again be one of those late bloomers in the NBA? There's a lot of talent there. And for what it's worth in terms of comparisons. Yeah. What were the comps the, the, with in well, the draft? Yeah. This, this was the draft guy comparisons I had. Andre Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, Stanley Johnson. Shades of all of them in, in different ways. Not perfect comparisons, but the Harrison Barnes comp, or the, you know, I like that one. Um, but, you know, with Nasir Little, he's somebody that they should invest in. It makes sense for what they need. Yeah, he is, he is an odd player. You know? I like him a lot. I like him. Uh, he's Look, guys like him are the reason outside of the Dame stuff. Like, Dame can get you over the hump when that's a tight game at the very end. But the reason it's a tight game is because they get they get contributions from all kinds of guys, man. One night it might be Nasir Little. The other night it might be, you know, Derek Jones Jr. might have a flash or Gary Trent might have a flash or like there's these big Carmelo games. I mean, right? like sometimes you get a nice Anthony Simons game Same as well. Same with uh, Cantor. Yeah. They, you know, they have, they've lost a star and they've really done it with the whole strength and numbers things. Um, and you got to have guys like Little. That can that can make plays and can have those nights where I mean he, I think he had a thirty earlier this year if I'm not mistaken because I remember seeing it and thinking Nasir Little had thirty <laughs> in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all right, Sasha, where we got next? Game. All right, we can do one last one. All right. uh, this is not a basketball question. It's also from Alex. I don't think it's the same one though. Uh, a while ago. 
Kevin and Chris, you mentioned the movie Soul and the fish in the ocean metaphor. How do you all live life in the present and not get too caught up in distractions? Philosophical question. Okay, so for those of you that didn't hear a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that I was walking through my living room and my kids were watching that movie Soul. And there's this moment in the movie where... Uh, a, a lady is telling a story and she's talking about a fish going up to an older fish and he is saying, uh, where is the ocean? And the, the, the lady says, uh, you're, you're in, you're in it. And the fish says, no, this, this is just water. And I, I want the ocean. Yeah, I want the ocean. <laughs> And it was this, it, it, I, I mentioned it because it's profound. Like I'm walking yeah. through this cartoon <laughs> on it, kind of stops you in your track. Like, damn, man. And, and, the, and the whole idea is, right, living in the moment and uh, being aware of what, what's happening to you at that time. Um, I struggle with this a great deal. Um, I have attempted to get a lot better at this. Um, I think over the course of the last couple of years, you know, having an awareness of what's going on at the moment and being more appreciative of what's going on in the moment. Um, because like the, I, I'll tell you, there was even a moment last night, this true story. I was at that Grizzlies Bucks game and it's coming down. It's a one point game. It's coming down to the very end of the game. And I mean, you could just feel like there's not that many people in the arena, but it's tense. And I'm on Twitter and I'm seeing all these people like saying, I'm like, I'm about to throw up. My heart's going hundred miles an hour, you know, like the way fans do. Right. And I had this moment where I was just sitting there and I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> like this yeah. really is, this yeah. is unbelievable. Like, I love this. I love that feeling. I love that feeling of it is a one point game. They're going to come out of the timeout and it is either going to be, I know what's about to happen. Either everybody is walking out of that arena with their head down, sullen, bitching about something, or it is going to be absolute euphoria, but something is about (laughs) to happen. And I did catch myself thinking like, man, I've missed this. I've missed this. Yeah. Uh, because oddly, I have not been at close games. I we did we had this stat last night that at least the Grizzlies it was eighteen games in a row that were decided by like nine or more points. Wow. So I really haven't seen. I haven't been in that moment where it's like, okay, whoever gets the ball, it's gonna get the last shot, and they're gonna win or lose. Um, and I did, you know. I had this moment of appreciation. I also did with my son a couple of days ago uh, because he uh, he asked me to he asked me to actually go throw a baseball. His baseball season's about to start, and I had a moment where I was. I, so those are the moments I've really tried to take in because I he's like he's always bashful. Asked me like, "You want to go throw?" Um, you know, and it's like some field of dream shit. It just gets in your feelings, <laughs> right? But. <laughs> I had a dad that, like, he didn't, when, my dad was a great, great dad and a great sports dad. But when my dad got home from work, he didn't want to throw. He didn't want to mm. throw. You know what I mean? He wanted to get his Diet Coke and watch the nightly news and just, <laughs> you know, he was exhausted. He's yeah. exhausted, right? And he didn't want to do that. And so I, there was that moment where I was thinking about, you know, you think about that and you think about, you know, your own mortality in some ways and just like, 
I'm going to do this, even if I don't really want to right now, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to soak this in because I'm going to be glad that I did this. And again, I mean, hell, I throw a football or baseball or shoot baskets with them every day of my life. But for whatever reason, I think it was because we were at his house. My, I don't really, we don't really have a great level ground place to throw at mine. So we actually went down to my parents' house to throw. That's cool. And so maybe that one <laughs> was what got me in my feelings about it. I don't know. My dad was like inside, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think I've tried to do better, but it's hard, man. There's no great way. No, no great way. It, it, it is hard. I, I think, you know, for me growing up, my parents were always good about uh, the acknowledgement of a feeling in a moment like even last night so like you know i'm living with my mom now during the pandemic helping her out and everything last night before she goes to bed she comes in you know say good night she's like kevin i loved hearing you laugh i was watching curb your enthusiasm last night mm. just for her sitting in the other room doing whatever she was doing hearing her son laugh in the other room right that's one of those little things that as a parent i'm sure you can relate to that yeah. you probably embrace those moments like hearing your kids laugh or yeah. even if hearing them argue, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and embracing that moment and recognizing that moment as a little thing. Because that's what the movie Soul was really about, about just embracing those little moments in life. That the, the real secret to enjoying life isn't necessarily to have some big goal to aspire to. It's about enjoying the moments along the way of whatever your life's journey is. And, you know, I'm thankful to have had parents and my mom did that ever since I was a little boy, you know. Or, you know, has always made comments like that. I meant, we said earlier, the feeling of the last day of school, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's something to embrace and enjoy. And, and for me, man, like I, I we only got this life, man. I, I want to be as happy as I possibly can be throughout this life. And, you know, everybody's circumstances are different. And sometimes it's hard to focus on doing the things that you enjoy or focusing on the things that make you happy. But I think a lot of, a lot is a choice. A, a, a lot is due to approach and mindset. And, and for me, over the years, all my life, I really tried to develop a, a happy approach, a positive uh, approach to whatever situations come your way, um, good or bad. And I think in those little moments, like, I, like we've talked about this, Chris, post-pandemic, I can't wait. I can't wait to be at the dinner, at dinner for the first time, yeah. pull off our mask. I think about it sometimes. We pull off our mask, and for the first time, there's that little weirdness, the awkwardness of what it's going to be like to be at a table with other people sharing food, possibly. Right. I look forward to that moment and however I feel in that moment. I'm going to embrace that and try to capture it and keep it. You know, And I, th- I think it's about those little things that happen. I'd love to basis, say you know? that that movie and that moment that I relayed to everybody had the profound effect that it should have. You know, I remember getting stopped in my tracks, but it was actually something else that had the effect on me. In that movie? A, no, it was, uh, I don't remember where I heard it. And because I, you know, in between podcasts and reading and whatever else, I end up taking in so many things. Um, but it is something, you know, sometimes somebody says something and it just stays with you. And it was a guy and he was, he was saying that there's an old, you know, there's an old Buddhist proverb or whatever it was. And I'm not Buddhist, but he, he said, um, and, and it just, like, I've thought about it, I swear to God, every day since. And he said, a healthy man wants 10,000 things. 
A sick man wants one. And I've thought about that since I heard it. I, I've thought about that so many times. I've thought about that so many times. And the point was about your desires, right? And so many times we get caught up in so many different things. And when you're sick, there's only one thing you want, right? And I, I think that there is there's something about that that when I do have mm. my health and I do have so many good things going for me, being appreciative of that. And I think that yeah. does help me stay in the moment more, right? That level of appreciation um, that you got a lot of good going on, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it, man. There's a, there's a lot of good. And uh, I think I think the acknowledgement of that good, the good things in your own life yeah. and the the recognition of it, you know, from within is is really important. Like I spend a lot of time reflecting about about stuff and um i feel like very in touch with my feelings <laughs> you know what i mean like because yeah. i think about those things and i explore my own feelings and i think you know the question was about like how do you do that well that's how i do it i spend a lot of time re reflecting and looking within um so that that's helpful for me to do that but like you said chris it's never perfect it's so easy to get caught up with other stuff that's happening or thinking ahead instead of being there in the moment but just remind yourself to be there in the moment and you'll develop a better habit, a stronger habit of doing that. That's really what it is. It's a habit and, and um, look, of recognizing the moment. And forever, for all of our audience, you're going to get to have one of those moments on Sunday when you are watching the, uh, the slam dunk contest and you're going to say, I, I, I want I want to never forget getting to watch Cassius Stanley dunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the rest of the world says, who is Cassius Stanley? Yeah. We get Anthony Simons in there, right? Obi Toppin, right? Yeah. It's, it could be fun. I need, I, look, look, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to send out any missives, but I, I need Obi to win that thing because I've got his top shot. Oh, <laughs> uh, you get his top shot. Okay. I see. I see. Uh, everybody have a great all-star weekend at all-star break. Uh, and we will talk to you again on Tuesday. Thanks to producer Sasha, as always. Uh, Kevin, I'll talk to you next week. I'm looking forward to everybody have a fun weekend.